my season of softness, to be quite frank. Um, and what I mean by that is um, my family and I moved to Ghana recently. And moving to Ghana has always been on our list of things to do. And just given the climate of the country and just a lot of different things, um, trying to find quality education for um, a Black girl was hard for me, knowing what I know as an educator. I wanted a place that not only taught her, but loved her. And I found that I couldn't really find the merge of those two things in the way that I, I needed it to be to feel confident to leave my child there for so many hours a day. Welcome to Distinctly You, where we talk to women who have redefined success in different seasons of change. Today, we'll be chatting with Kara Stevens, founder of The Frugal Feminista, a thriving personal finance and development company committed to helping people heal their relationships with money and themselves. What did her journey entail? Well, let's get into the conversation. Welcome, Kara, to Distinctly You. Thank you, Sharifa. You have no idea how I've been just so excited for today's conversation. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation to come on today. I mean, it's amazing what you do. So I'm happy to support in any kind of way. Well, so Kara, I mean, you are not only just like a personal finance and personal uh, development coach, mogul. I mean, you're an author. I mean, there's so many facets to you. For our audience, can you just tell us a little bit about who Kara Stevens is? Um, well, that's a great question. I think independent of those things, the things that I do, um, I think like who I am, I think I'm a kind person. I think I'm a great friend. Um, I think I'm I would say an amazing wife. I'm just saying, you know, um, and hopefully a mother that is loving and supportive of her child. Um, and also I'm an advocate for black women. Like I go hard for black women. I go hard for our healing um, and other women of color um, just because I know the various obstacles that are placed in our way for us just to have the smallest access to our humanity. So I would say that all the things that I do are a reflection of the things that I am. Wow, that is so deep and that's so powerful. But that really, I think, surmises the depth of who you are. You're most commonly and affectionately known as the frugal feminista. Yeah. And I know there is a story there. You know, how did you get that name? Who is Frugal Feminista, that aspect of Kara Stevens? Um, so I'll give you the business reason and then I'll give you the story behind it. So there was a blog um, called Fabulous and Frugal, and that's who I was before the Frugal Feminista. But then we got a cease and desist letter saying that you're infringing on our rights. That's the truth. So um, I had to come up quickly with a name. And quite frankly, I don't consider myself fabulous in the context of like hair and nails. I mean, I like to be cute, but it wasn't like something that I really identify with. So I needed something that had the Fs. And I was like, oh, you know, I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, you are frugal. What about frugal feminista or something like that? And then I was like, I think that's it. That's it. And so that's quite frankly how it came about. I mean, the more beautiful story or like something you want to have as a narrative is that um, I sat there and it came to me, but it's not true. Like it was legal. I had to change my name. I had to get a lawyer. And then my mama helped me when I was on the phone. 
And that? so, but it's been fitting because I am, um, I'm more of a womanist when it comes to Alice Walker's definition of feminism. Um, but because I needed an F, you know, and I talk about black women is kind of implied. So, um, and I talk about what money and I talk about feminine, what it means to be a woman at the intersection of money and, and being a woman, a woman of color. So it fits. I really like that a lot. And, you know, you weren't always about personal finance. I have heard the story, but just for our audience, I would love to hear if you could share a little bit about the story of how personal finance really became a passion for you, especially as an advocate for other women and women of color. Well, the story is, and it's the true story, is that I had a whole bunch of student loan debt and credit card debt, and I wasn't trying to pay it back. I mean, I honestly thought that um, the student loans and um, the Discover card bills were just like recommendations that I pay back the money, but not like you had to pay it back. So I was ripping it up, throwing it away. Um, and then I saw the balances go up and up and I was talking to my mom. I was like, don't they get it? Like, don't they understand I'm not paying it back? Why they keep on sending me these letters? And she's like, you're serious, right? You're kidding me. And I was like, no, but they keep on, you know, calling. And then they start like sending these messages and she's like, Kara. And I said, also it's going up. Like the balances are going up. I don't understand. I'm not paying it back. Why is it going up? She goes, it's because you're not paying it back. Like the late fees. That's why it's going up. And I was like, oh, so I have to really pay this money back? And she's like, oh my God, I sent my child to this really expensive school and she didn't get it. And so, yeah, that's how personal finance. So I remember that day um, or that weekend, I went to the library and I asked them like, do you have any books about money? And they were like, yeah, I guess. And they pointed me to this section for personal finance. And I found Glenda Bridgeforth's um, Girl Get Your Money Right, like Girl Get Your Money Straight book, which is the, it was like, it felt like the book was waiting for me on the shelf. And I read that book and I was like, there's a whole world about money that I did not know about. And I had graduated with a degree, degree in economics and political science, go figure. But I didn't know anything about personal finance. So um, it just struck me. And then the fact that at the first book that I read was by a black woman, I was hooked. And I realized after a while that Glenda, at that time, still this time, she was about 20 something years my senior. And I had graduated from college and I had no job. I had no like partner. It was like, I went to college for this, you know? So I started to blog about my experiences, about, you know, wanting to find love, wanting to travel, wanting to understand what it meant to be like a womanist or a feminist um, outside in the real world. And I started blogging and I started to fill that gap for women my age who were still trying to figure it out. So that's the story. Wow. You know, we definitely um, have that in, in common in the sense that I also studied econ in college. Right. And I remember coming out of college and trying to get my first car right. and being told, like, uh, you need a cosigner, your credit. Right. Yeah, you're, right. And I was like, what do you mean my credit? That shock of what is credit? How did I mess up my credit? And not even understanding that even with an econ background. So right. there's something to be said there about personal finance, not necessarily being taught in schools. And talking about schools, I know you also have a background in education as well. Yes. yes. Yeah. So um, I was um, I went to Columbia um, University's Teachers College and I have also a degree in bilingual education from Hunter College. 
and I love being a teacher. I taught kindergarten, I taught third and fourth grade, um, and I was always in the education field, um, even when I wasn't in the classroom, and I eventually became a school administrator and a school leader. Um, and I loved it. I love my kids. Um, I worked in my own community. I always felt that I could still merge um, personal finance and education. I think they should be teaching it in school. So in my own way, I would teach about personal finance. Like I would get my my students gifts. Like their first gift for me was like a piggy bank. And I taught them like how to begin to save. Um, you know, I talk about opportunity cost and cost benefit analyses of things, sh- putting it in ways that will make sense to, I also was an administrator for middle school. So just kind of teaching them economic terms to help them understand life in a different way. And I thoroughly enjoy it. And, um, part of the work that I do, um, I work at with schools to help actually with parents, helping parents raise money confident kids. So I love the intersection of being able to bring what I am as a mother, as a school leader, as a teacher, and as a personal finance person to help parents really think that it's not separate from you. It's an extension of you. So if you get yourself right and heal your relationship and then build on that, then your child will be the uh, the be the benefit, will benefit from um that healing, that experience, and then they'll be able to build wealth without having to redo things or be in positions that you and I were in where we don't have to like pivot and start again. I really love the fact that you have really found a way to bring all facets of yourself, all facets of your life into the work that you do. And one of the things we talk about on this channel is about women redefining success at different chapters in their lives. And so it's beautiful to see that and saying that you took the lessons you learned personally in the area of personal finance into the work that you still do in personal finance. What season would you say you're in right now? That's such a great question. Um, I'm in my season of softness, to be quite frank. Um, And what I mean by that is um, my family... And I moved to Ghana um, recently and moving to Ghana has always been on our list of things to do. And just given the climate of the country and just a lot of different things, um, trying to find quality education for um, a Black girl was hard for me knowing what I know as an educator. I wanted a place that not only taught her, but loved her. And I found that I couldn't really find the merge of those two things in the way that I I needed it to be to feel confident to leave my child there for so many hours a day. And um, I'm a Pan-African in the sense that I believe in the liberation of all Black people worldwide and that Africa is a place for people from around the diaspora. You don't have to live here, but just even knowing that there's a place for you here that has always been a part of my paradigm, my worldview paradigm. And so when I say softness, it's not necessarily luxury. It's about kind of figuring out what's important to me, creating a different pace for myself. And not to say that we'll live here forever, maybe we will, maybe we won't, but being able to realize that life is really, really short. Um, And some of the things that I was doing with the Frugal Feminist and, and being an educator, Um, I felt they were really important, but also I'm not sure I was a part of those things. Like all of my energy was pouring into the world. And then simple things my husband would say is like, Carrie, you're not even eating well. Like, and I would, you know, rush and not eat for 
um, the day and then go through a drive-through. And then hence my health issues. You know, um, I, I wasn't going to the doctor regularly. And that, you know, and I'm just thinking about the little things, but those things matter for longevity and like uh, well-being. And so this season of my life is about kind of prioritizing my health, my family. Like even before um, we got on this call, I'm like, oh my God, I'm still sweaty because I was exercising. Like the first thing I do before I do anything is now I pay attention to my health, you know? And my, my husband's like, you look younger, your skin is better. I was like, oh, thank you, you know? But it's just this whole thing of like, I don't know. I just wanted to be in a place where I could actually enjoy all the work I have been doing. I have been working since I was 11, you know? And it's just this time, I feel like even for Black women, this idea of rest. And I still do work, you know what I mean? I'm on podcasts, I'm doing my work, I'm building my courses. But I want to do it at a different pace where I don't feel so harried. Um, and I feel like that's the season that I'm in. And I'm also in a season of... um I'm feeling very chatty. So I'll talk like I love being able to share um, and support. So those are the, and I feel like that time to be able to take what I need allows me to be able to be present for others when they request it. Because for a while I wasn't really interested. Everything seemed like a burden. Mm, mm. And I don't want that. So that's where I am right now. Wow. I really, really love what you're saying, especially in the area of self-care for us as women, because as women, we tend to put everyone else first before ourselves. But if we can't take care of ourselves and be good, then we don't have the bandwidth for anyone else, you know? And so I, I really applaud that. And I also applaud your being really true to yourself in the in the sense that there are a lot of people who have said, oh, I want to travel or I would like to do this or that, but you're actually living it. You and your family, you moved to Ghana and, yeah. you know, and you're living that right now. I mean, how, how is it? Is it what you imagined being in that reality of something you've thought about doing that you're actually doing right now? Um, I think it's like life, like you're still going to life. Do you know what I mean? So you're still going to have the people around you, but I think it's a great decision. And um, I studied at the University of Ghana when I was in college. So Ghana has always been a part of my life since I was in my 20s. And I think that sometimes I pinch myself and say, wow, we actually did it. And don't get me wrong. It's not all unicorns and ponies, but that's also part of the reality. I rather have these experiences than the regret of always thinking what it would what would it be like. And I think it's been really great. Um, and just since I'm a numbers person and a personal finance person, um, the exchange rate makes life extremely livable. So at the time of our um, conversation, one dollar equals eleven CDs. So if you were to take a hundred dollars, it would be eleven hundred CDs. And it's still not a correspondence. You can get more than $100 worth of things for 1,100 CDs. Mm -hmm. So like you can get food at a cheaper price and still have it be quality. You know, if you go to um, any fast food restaurant, the prices go up in New York. You're thinking, or in the, in the States, like an average, like I'm not going to mention any companies, but $15, you go through a drive-through. And the same, less than $15, you can get a quality meal for several people. 
So things like that, um, transportation, um, even healthcare, like the basics that you need to um, feel comfortable, even quality education. Um, so I would say that so far, so good. There's a lot of, you know, things that are left to be desired, but they kind of pale in comparison to the benefit and the value that I offer. And also, um, I think it's a great experience for anyone who is of African descent, maybe to experience it just so they can see it. And if they don't like it, you know, they go back home, but at least they know for themselves. I like that a lot. You know, talking about chapters and being in your soft chapter, your chapter of prioritization of self and family and health, um, that still does not take away from the success that you're still having in the work that you do. I read recently that you are now working with Alta. Yes, I am. So what is, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, right now they have, I guess, some uh, boundaries about what I can say. But what I can say is that um, we're talking about um, beauty and money and just kind of talking about the intersection of the two. And going back to what you said, like before I left, I was thinking, oh, my God, the fact that I'm moving to Ghana, I won't be able to have any partnerships because they're all kind of U.S. based. But these people are flying me back to New York. Do you see what I'm saying? So sometimes you never really know until you do the thing. And I'm really excited for that partnership um, just because it's a thoughtful partnership in the sense of bringing personal finance people in to talk about beauty. And when you think about beauty, um, when you think about how various, how it's used in various ways, um, a lot of times for women of color, one, of course, we, we want to identify as what we consider maybe to be feminine or beautiful, but we also have to, I also think about, um, think about, um, the role that wanting to fit in plays. Like sometimes we desire to be seen as beautiful so we won't be passed up for opportunities, you know? So I think about the intersection of survival and beauty for a lot of women of color and even women, just in general, all women. So I think it's a thoughtful partnership and um, I'm grateful, not grateful, I'm glad that they're seeing the importance of expertise like mine that allows to also talk about the role that healing plays in our financial decisions and the role that um, emotions play in general for like, you know, our decisions to do something or not to do something. So it's a nice, I think, blend. And I'm, I'm excited. Wow. I mean, you know, there's something powerful in, in what you said, which is the fact that taking opportunities or, 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 or having the courage to do things that it's easy to talk yourself out of to say, oh, if I do this, you know, I might lose this, this and that, but you don't know unless you do it. Right. right. And so here you are doing it and the doors are still open to you. So right. that's a really a, a deep word over there. And I also know that you are an author as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about your book and what brought on your writing that book? Yeah, so I have three books, but the most popular one is called Heal Your Relationship with Money. And I love that book because it really is like a love letter to myself. You know, um, I remember 
So the premise of the book is not what you go straight into when you think about personal finances. It's not just, oh, here's a budget, here's a spreadsheet, here's your debt elimination plan. You know, put this away for your 401k for retirement. It goes before that. I feel it talks, it doesn't, I feel it does. Um, It addresses the various emotional hurdles and trauma that we face around money, making it very difficult for us to either to make budgets and if we make them, sustain them and keep them. To actually have like a strong financial routine that is actually um, one that we enjoy, one that we understand, um, and one that we want to grow with. And so human relationship with money really homes in on your money story, unpacking the money story that you were that you inherited, and then examining and inherited from media, from family members, the people that influence you the most. And then um, the next chapter is about helping you examine those messages and see if those messages are actually debilitating or are they helpful to help you recreate a narrative that's empowering and allows money to serve you instead of you being afraid of it. And the last couple chapters are around the question of, if I now have a healthy relationship with money, what are some of the systems and structures I will put in place to help sustain this new healthy relationship. And I can tell you, Sharifa, I wrote that book over the course of a few weekends at Starbucks. It was almost like pouring out of me because I knew that I wish I had a book like this for me. Um, And also, like I said, I'm a teacher, so I made it very interactive. So I had a lesson and then you had to reflect on it. And I wanted to make it accessible to as many people as possible and have people really think about money from their emotional um, standpoint. Because a lot of times it's all emotion. You know, we just kind of backwards design the logic when we make a decision or when we don't make a decision. Mm, It's so interesting you say that. I'm currently reading a book right now called The Psychology of Money. Mm. And it just really makes you think and realize more about the decisions we make around the money, how we were raised, um, how we were brought up, the experiences that we've had. And all that goes into it so that even when you learn that, hey, I have to budget or I have to, you know, have a plan for my money and invest and do all the things, sometimes you may even know what to do. But because of the psychology that you have around money, you still don't do it, you know? Yeah. So I love what you just said about recognizing the emotions and even having a book that talks about the healing that you need to have around money, because I think you have to unpack those layers so that you can do the things you need to do to be successful. So, Yeah, for sure. And um, I've worked with organizations that have specifically um, called on me to do retreats for three days of straight financial healing for their communities. And some of the, the um, it's very beautiful to see like um, communities kind of come together and share and be seen and be heard and kind of deal with some of the inner child healing that they had to do. It's, I think it's, I feel very grateful to be able to support um, specifically women, but anybody that comes um, through those doors to do so. And I really feel like this is my purpose in life to, to do that. Wow. You know, I know you shared a little bit earlier and we kind of connected about 
how some of our financial decisions uh, were based on ignorance, right, in terms of money and debt. But as we talk about financial healing and the emotions around money, is there any story that's memorable to you that you think, you know, really has an impact on you as you do the work that you currently do? Um, I had... um. I was doing a retreat for a group of women and the leader of the organization was there. And we were talking about, um, kind of talking about the people who influenced our relationship with money. And it was very beautiful to see this leader kind of come to the realization one, that she was mad at her mom and was afraid to be mad at her mom because she loved her so much because of the way her mother handled money. And then she realized too, that because of the way that her mom handled money, she was so tight with money and she saved and saved and saved. But then she realized that her best next step was to spend more. Right. And then I saw her on her story, she's like, I'm at Broadway. I'm with my husband. I'm doing this. I'm in New York. And um, she was from the Midwest. And that is what I say as healing, you know, having her kind of connect the dots and then realize that she's holding herself hostage, that her mom's money story is not her money story and that she can now move forward. So I've seen things like that. I've seen um, husband, wife couples um, come and talk to me about she was upset with him because he would be giving her all these gifts coming home. And he realized that, oh my God, my father used to bring my mom home stuff. And she was like, but we ain't got no money. Stop sending, stop bringing home stuff. <laughs> so I said, well, why don't you just call her? Cause like every time he'll, right before he'll get going to the subway, he would get her something. I said, why don't you just call her and say, I'm thinking about you, babe. And she's like, yeah, that would be much better. And so I feel like I healed a marriage, you know what I'm saying? So things like that, you know, um, they're able to really unpack and be like, wow, I can do something differently. I can do something that actually aligns with my values, actually aligns with my family goals um, and not feel like I'm losing out or leaving something out. And how has this impacted how you're raising your kids around money? I think that... Um, I monitor. So there are a lot of different things um, as a parent and even like as a teacher, a pedagogue, um, I do with my daughter. But I also just sometimes say, mama, you know, there's nothing that we can't have. We'll talk about ways to plan it. Because I grew up, it was always this fear. There's not enough. And oh my God, like I was afraid to even have my needs met. My daughter is not that type. You know, she's like, mommy. You know what I mean? And then I still introduce her to ideas of like, you can't have it now. Let's talk about why. Um, if you want to now, let's have a plan. I give her experiences of abundance where I was like, take it all. And then the other opportunities, I'll be like, let's talk about what our goals are. Does this really actually add value? She's seven. She's like, value. I'm like, listen, does this really, do you really enjoy this? Or will after two minutes you not use it? And so we do opportunity calls. So we do um, trade-offs. So I, at um, a store, I was like, do you want a, a cute little frilly dress? Or do you want that random thing that you picked up? And she's just like, mm, the dress, you know, because she's all about the dresses. So I, I, I kind of experienced that. And there's one time she said, mommy, are we rich? And I was like, yeah, we are. You know what I mean? She don't need to know the details. But if that was something that hurt for her, rich meant happy. 
So I didn't want, and I'll at a later time kind of deconstruct that, but it was also secure and safe for her. And so I want her to feel that way. And so um, we do things like that. So, um, and there are a number of things that I keep her out of adult financial conversations. They have nothing to do with her. She can't do anything. Um, I do a number of, I take her to the bank. I have her sign her checks, you know, from her grandma. And I talk about, you know, appropriate age level vocabulary with her, deposits, withdrawals, you know, things like that. So she can enjoy it, not enjoy it, um, learn from it and have it be a part of just her everyday lexicon. And I think, you know, so far so good. And even now being in Ghana, um, talking about exchange rates, she kind of, she's learning about like, oh, this is a dollar and, you know, this is CDs, but then also having her respect that just because it may be worth more because of, you know, global economic scales has nothing to do with the value of it. Right. So I try to have the political conversation with her as well as the economic one. I love that. Um, I'm just curious with your journey so far, your journey as it relates to your business, the work that you do, your journey as a mom, you know, as a wife, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? So that young woman that's coming up and is about to experience life, what would you tell her as she embarks on her journey? That's another great question. Um, I think that for me, I was always so worried that I was too late, you know? Um, And sometimes I would jump from thing to thing looking for something quick. And so my younger self, I would say, relax, you know, be patient, have some patience, um, have, um, and don't get so disappointed when something doesn't happen as quickly. It doesn't mean it's not happening. And I think I tell myself that all the time because um, sometimes as someone growing up, you know, I used to learn things quickly and business is very different. It's just not about learning. It's about implementing. It's about testing. It's about other people. It's about, you know, being able to, you know, pivot. And so I think that I will teach her and tell her that you can do hard things um, and it's worthwhile and just have patience and stick with it. And I think you'll be fine. I love that. So Kara, what would you like to be remembered for when, when all this is said and done? Um, I think kind of going back to the top of our conversation, I kind of want to be remembered as a woman that cared about other women um, that wanted them to get their bag and be happy, both, not just one or the other. Um, I also want to be remembered as a good friend, as a good fr- a good person, um, someone that cared about other people um, and someone that, yeah, someone that cared about other people and somebody that kind of followed their dream and followed their heart. Um, I think that's really important. I One of the big things that um, I do these days is like, okay, keep the promises that you make to yourself. So even on a daily basis of my promise, but I keep them fewer promises. So there's not so many to break. So I have two promises I make or three promises I make to myself every day. And I think I like myself more, the more that I'm able to trust myself and, you know, be there for myself. So the same thing, like when it comes to the people. Wow. So I can't let you go without asking you, Kara, what makes you distinctly mm-hmm. you? Oh, wow. You have such great questions. Um, 
I think I, I think I'm a mix. Um, I, I think I'm a mix politically of um, everyday girl, but then the things that I do are kind of rooted and based on very strong political beliefs around making sure that everyone has equity, everyone has access to humanity, everyone feels good in their skin, everyone can enjoy their life. Um, and I think that I'm able to do it in a way where people want to share their progress and share their vulnerabilities with me because they know that I can keep their secrets, but I can also help them to the next step in their journey. And I think in a way that makes them feel powerful in their vulnerability. And so I think that. I like that. So if anyone wants to learn more about you and the work that you do, or just, you know, hear what you're up to these days, you know, how can they reach out to you? Um, they can always email me, Kara at the frugal feminista, um, dot com or hello at the frugal feminista dot com. And I'm sharing lots of my Ghana lifestyle uh, content on Instagram. So that's at the frugal feminista. And you can link with me on LinkedIn at Kara Stevens and Facebook. It's the frugal feminista. Fantastic. We'll make sure we put all the handles on when we release this. But thank you so much, Kara. This was such a fun conversation. And I actually learned a few new things about you. So I really love this. Oh, thank you, Sharifa. Anytime. It was such a pleasure. Thanks again, Kara.